This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, I should say hosts, but also realtors with Oakland Realty in downtown Vancouver. And today is such an exciting day. We've got Jordan McDonald. He is the CEO of Fabric Living, local development company. We've talked about Jordan on the show a lot. He's like the white whale. Yeah, We've been trying to get him that. for five, six years. Oh, then I, we should we should uh, omit this. But it's true. We've <laughs> been trying to get him on the show for a very long time. Yeah. And we had him on the commercial real estate podcast, which if you haven't heard that episode, Vancouver commercial real estate podcast, search Jordan McDonald and that will come up. But this is a fantastic episode because we're talking all things residential market, we're talking East Vancouver. We're talking, uh, you know, the East future Vancouver of the city. real estate. Yeah, it's uh, it's really such a phenomenal episode. So good having Jordan in. He brought some beer. We didn't drink during. No, the, uh, no, no. But that was another brought in some beers. Yeah, very, very nice. It is worth pointing out, like two things that stick out about Jordan is fabric living does things a little differently. I feel like their their attention to to detail and also. Like, I hate to use the word cool, but it's just like they make cool stuff, they right? Do. And he and there's he has an eye for it and the ability to choose locations and to put the type of home in that location that really not only makes sense, but elevates in, in a lot of ways. And then secondly is his passion around East Vancouver. Like we talk mainly about East Vancouver today and he really captures it. And there's a reason why they're focused on East Van and it's it's just a really exciting talk. The two things that I feel that very line up is that one is like they're they're really obsessed about the details yeah. in a lot of ways. And that comes through with like the exteriors of the buildings, but also all the interior finishes. Like assembly in Strathcona. Yeah. Let's just it's almost built. I just want to say like this is an example. There's an alleyway. Right. Right? The in the in that it's area. Like activated kind of yeah, alley. And and they've put in some commercial space and I don't know who's going, but it's going to be like the coolest little strip in Strathcone. It's like a secret commercial alley almost that's, that's going to emerge. It's already happening. I was just by there the other day. We have a good friend of the show, Brady D who's moving out away from Vancouver, but he lives very close right. to there. I was just by his place the other day and I walked by assembly and it's like transformed how that area feels. Like right. it's just, it's just so cool. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And then the other thing about Jordan is he's always kind of, you know, he he's like the got the urban geographer type kind of setting on at all times. Like yeah. he's constantly looking at areas, trying to understand them more and deeper. And, and and it's something that's like we talk about as like a skill in real estate, but like that's what it is. It's like what anchors this community? What are the amenities for this community? Yeah. Breaking um, it down. Why is it thriving? What's exactly. cool about it? What's yeah. cool about it? And and how can I think about future opportunity in that way? And that comes through in this conversation for sure. hundred percent. But before we get to our conversation with Jordan, Matt, 
This episode is sponsored by Scalina Real Estate, which of course is our real estate company. Uh, today's featured listing is 430-1588 East Hastings Street, which is at Boehm, which is kind of a staple in the in the Hastings um, it, it, North you know Commercial what? District. Yeah, nor, nor, just north of Commercial Drive. Or sorry, not north of Commercial Drive. It's on Hastings, just west of Commercial Drive. Yes. Uh, Yokes in the commercial space downstairs. This is, uh, you can roll out of bed and roll into Yokes. It's uh, pretty great. It's got the white, uh, white brick. The white brick exterior that that uh, has kind of set the tone for that strip of Hastings. Yeah, Matt. And this unit is no yoke because you got eleven foot ceilings, which is really amazing. It's an oversized one bedroom, over seven hundred square feet. Level finishes is awesome. It's away from Hastings, so you're on the quiet side of the building. Awesome views, kind of that. It's just it's got like the private courtyard views. This is fantastic. Uh, storage locker, parking. And it is listed currently for six ninety nine nine hundred. I think the best value, uh, probably in East Van for a one bed, definitely at Boehm right now. Yeah, so check it out at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com where we now have a featured listing section where all of our featured listings are included. We also have, of course, the sell with us button while you're over there. And that has the sold plan. Yeah, Matt, the sold plan, the most downloaded document to date at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is awesome. It's a step-by-step guide for getting your home ready for market so you can get top dollar in the shortest amount of time. It's really just, it's sold in our case, stands for start on launch date, which is when we want the listing to go live. And it gives you kind of two weeks prep to prepare for getting that listing ready for market it is an awesome document. It's a it's an instant download. If you're in the industry and you want to have a look at it, maybe it could uh, sharpen your tools. So uh, head over there. Everybody, feel free to take it. It's evergreen. It's iron, on our iron, site. iron sharpens iron, they say. <laughs> That's, That's at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. But without further ado, Matt, let's cut to our conversation today with Jordan McDonald. Enjoy. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Berquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sonehouse offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at marcon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at marcon.ca or follow them at Instagram at marconhomes. Marcon, building for life. Okay, so we're here with Jordan McDonald, CEO of Fabric Living. How you doing, Jordan? Great. Thanks again for having me today. Yeah, in the studio, uh, you're like our white whale. We've been we've been <laughs> trying to get you 
on the show for a very long time. And, so this is very exciting. And then and then on top of that, that was and then and then you sent us a photo with a V rep shirt on riding a Harley through I think you were in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. And then and then the white whale status. I don't even know where you go after yeah. after whale, but we were even like, okay, hey, now we gotta get them. Yes. But uh yeah. Thanks for joining us. And maybe for listeners that don't know you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I've been in the, the real estate industry for about 20 years now. I started my my career in in brokerage originally as a as a summer student analyst at CB Richard Ellis. And then uh, after finishing up university and and doing some traveling, I, I came back and ended up at Cushman and Wakefield for about five years. Following that, I started a commercial real estate brokerage company out in the Fraser Valley called Frontline Real Estate. Ran that for about five years with a partner, and then I exited at the beginning of uh, 2015. And I've uh, been doing real estate developments uh, ever since then under under the name Fabric. So, so why real estate? Obviously, you have a kind of entrepreneurial spirit. What excited you about real estate? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. You know, I wish I could say that I grew up and you know I th- thought about real estate every day. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was, I was going to be this this developer that did this or that, but. That that wasn't really it. I was so focused on skateboarding and, and <laughs> when I was younger that uh, it didn't even register. But um, I, I kind of fell into it uh, when a neighbor moved in next door to my parents that was in commercial real estate, and she she recommended that I that I interview with CB Richard Ellis just to as a summer gig one year when I was or one summer when I was back from from university, and I I ended up getting a job the following year, and I just. I love the energy. I love the I love all the the young people that were just going out and getting after it. And I love the I love the fact that it was kind of an an eat what you kill type of business. So you right. were you'd go out there and you'd hunt and you'd find the opportunity and you'd create it for yourself and you're like, I will provide. <laughs> and so I, I just love that the nature of it. And so yeah, after I finished university, I I made a real conscious effort just to get just to get into the business on the sales side, just because of of the people and the energy. And then from there you know, I just really grew passionate about it and, and, and loved real estate and all that you could do with it and the value that you could create and how you could be creative with the buildings and in, in what you were designing and all sorts of stuff. So I, you know, I don't think that there was this, this moment when I was a child that really led me to it. It was more just, I, I kind of fell into it and I just loved what I was doing and it started with sales. And, you know, frankly, I guess I'm still in sales. I'll always be in yeah. sales, right? Like one thing that strikes me is you were a really successful commercial broker. And I mean, a lot of people would, would kind of live there for a while and just, <laughs> just or, stay or there. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways, right? There's great money to be made. It's, it, you can go in many different directions. Why, why transition into development? Yeah, it's a good question. I was in brokerage for about two years before buying my my first property. It was actually a listing that I couldn't sell. <laughs> that was your guarantee. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I had my, uh, my uh, ad on the bus bench. If I can't sell your industrial building, I'll buy it. Right? Um, I just, I, you know, I had this building for sale and I it kept getting tied up and dropped. And I had this idea that we could buy it and we could stratify the existing building into all these 40 units and we'd sell off the individual units because I I was selling strata around the corner for about 70% more than you could buy this building for. And, and I, I think, you know, I, I was like, oh, I kind of want to do this. And I'd seen what some of my clients were doing. And I, it just, I liked the, the opportunity of going deeper on, on a project than as opposed to kind of doing the deal and moving on to the next one. I really wanted to go through the whole process. And I ended up buying that building, put together a syndication with a partner 
And I just loved the pride of ownership. And I would drive out to that building in Langley every Sunday. I knew every single tenant. We had grow ops in there. We had we had biker gang guys in there. We had, you know, storage and all sorts of little businesses. And it was this ugly duckling building. But I said, you know, if I love this so much with with this, you know, ugly duckling industrial building in the middle of Port Kells, then I'm gonna love this if I really do this at a much larger scale. And so it wasn't, it certainly wasn't the money that drove me towards development, because if you want to make a lot of money, you can, you can stay in brokerage and you can, you can absolutely kill it. It was more just about, about having more control over the process, having, being more creative with it and going, I guess, going a bit deeper into the projects and focusing on less projects, but doing more with them. So I'm just thinking you go, you start your own brokerage out in the Valley. Fabric is, is in, I think it's fair to say in East Vancouver, development company, at least so far. Mm -hmm. How how did you get back? What, what drew you back to East Vancouver real estate and, uh, and Vancouver? Yeah. So I, I started frontline, uh, with a partner because I, I, what I really wanted to do is I wanted to be on the investor side. I wanted to be a developer, but when I, when I started frontline or before I started frontline, I should say, I didn't feel like I had enough uh, capital or knowledge to go straight into being a, a real estate developer, but I did know that I was I was becoming a fairly successful uh, commercial real estate broker. And I knew that if I started my own company, I could basically go out day one and start making money. And and part of that was I was actually reading these Robert Kiyosaki books back in the day. I don't know if <laughs> you guys remember like uh, Rich Dad Poor Rich Dad, Dad yeah. his follow up book, which was Cash Flow Quadrant, and right. it spoke about the four quadrants. And there was there was the the first quadrant, which was employee, the E, and then the second quadrant was was the S, which was the self-employed, and then the next quadrant was the B, which is the business owner, and then the the fourth quadrant was the I, which was the investor. And the book talks about this genesis of going from an employee to a self-employed to a business owner to an investor. And so I was like, okay, well, I, I kind of skipped the employee part, except for when I was a a gas station attendant at the Esso in Horseshoe Bay back in the day and, and a few other uh, gigs that I had uh, when I was uh, just trying to put gas in my car and get some beer money. But I realized that if I wanted to have the time to focus on doing development and the money that I needed to graduate from being, call it the self-employed kind of consultant or real estate broker and move into becoming a business owner so that I could grow a team around me and I could essentially graduate into having cash flow at the end of the year to, to do my own deals. But, you know, from frontline, which was really this, this business that was focused out in the Fraser Valley to being hyper-focused in East Vancouver, I remember with frontline, I was really out there kind of chasing money. And every day I'd wake up, okay, how are we going to make more money? And how are we going to do more brokerage deals? And how can we build out another sector here? And how can we have more services? And, and I didn't really, I wasn't passionate about about the projects that we were marketing or doing at all, because it just didn't really align with who I am. I like to do, I like to do really cool shit and cool neighborhoods for cool people. And I felt like the Fraser Valley, although it has some very cool people and whatnot, it was just the product that we were focusing on was not something that I was aligned with. And I was living in Vancouver and I was driving out to Surrey every day. And I was going like, I remember just driving there one day and I was going, what am I doing? Like I, I sold my soul. I sold my soul because I'm chasing money. And I realized at that point in time, I said, if I ever get out of this business, I am only going to focus on what I'm passionate about 
and doing it with people that I love doing. Because if I wake up every morning and I can drive into the office and see people that I'm stoked about seeing every day and work on projects that are super complicated and are hard and inevitably are going to have some some serious storms that we're going to need to go through, at least I love it and I love what I do. So I can put every ounce of myself into that project and into that that family of people that were growing as a company at Fabric. So it was it was a pretty intentional shift to go from the Fraser Valley to East Van. And it was also a pretty intentional shift to go from get away from the the service side of the business and get into the the development side of the business. It was, I think frontline was a bit of a deviation from what my true purpose was, which was being on the real estate development side. Oh, interesting. Maybe talking about East Van specifically, because when when I think of your some of the projects that you've done recently, so Assembly in Strathcona, Habitat, uh, which is more kind of Main Street, Main Fraser kind of corridor, you've got a lot, you've got the cut right now, which is really exciting, townhomes on the east side as well. Why East Van, like what draws you to East Vancouver? Yeah, so when when I left Frontline, I basically had a clean slate. I could start with, I could start with anything. And I said, what is going to allow me to wake up and be passionate about my work every morning? And when I started looking for my first properties, I kind of said, okay, you know, I was looking at everything and I was drinking for a bit of a fire hose, trying to trying to figure out what my niche was going to be. Was it going to be industrial or was it going to be multifamily or et cetera? And, and I, I liked multifamily because there's more of a lifestyle to it. There's more of a brand to it. I just align more with that. But when it came to East Van, I loved East Van because there was this younger energy, this creative energy. It was more affordable. The younger entrepreneurs could afford to live there and they could afford to open their businesses there. So I've always kind of been more attracted to this like younger energy and this call it maybe in a way a bit less mature vibe where it's like, you know what? I like freedom. Like I like, I like this spontaneity of things. I like different unique things. I like the eclecticness of things. And when I was really focusing in, I said, East Van has all of that. It has all of these great neighborhoods. It has some of these almost undiscovered neighborhoods, like the the Port Town neighborhood down in down at Powell and Victoria. It was sort of this neighborhood that didn't have an identity. And it's like, this neighborhood is about to become something super special. So I just like kind of being on this like frontier of really creative entrepreneurialism. And I just felt that there was, I could get super passionate about that and, and just really lean into the projects that we were doing. So I think, um, I can't remember what your question was. Well, basically why East Van. And yeah. I, think yeah. I think you've explained I that. I think you hit that. Yeah. I, I'm little, tracing it back to your origins of skateboarding. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> maybe. Well, well, actually that, that was not necessarily with skateboarding, but that was kind of what I was thinking. So I guess you look at East Van, you realize, okay, this is like got the energy, all the things that are really exciting and and I can get really excited about. I know you used to live in East Van. Was how do you how do you really like when you're looking not even for deals, because we can I hope to talk about like finding opportunities and deals, but can you talk a little bit about like discovering neighborhoods and like did you just decide, okay, I'm gonna start biking around, driving around, walking around. Like, how did you get to know East Van in that like super intimate way where you'd be like, like the cut, okay, this totally makes sense. Uh, this could really, you know, community can thrive in this location at like, we should say it's what Nanaimo and not 12th, but 
or it's 12th, yeah, the quiet 12th. Yeah. <laughs> the Central Valley Greenway. Right. Yeah. Central Valley Greenway. <laughs> right. Yeah. But can you talk about kind of getting to know the 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 separate communities? Because it's a super diverse area. And, and are you looking at, and are you starting with geographically with the neighborhoods or is it uh, the deals coming across your desk and then figuring out if the area works for the brand? It's a combination of both, I think. Yeah. So like sometimes we're going, hey, this is a really cool neighborhood. Let's find something here. And we'll either, you know, we've we've gone direct to owners or we'll contact some of the brokers that we work with and say, hey, we want you to contact this this block here and let us know if they're willing to sell. Or we're on all of the brokers lists and we typically get that first call when when a deal comes up and it's not listed. So so we get first look at a lot of things. Like we we look at a ton of deals, like all the time. My inbox is always full with new opportunities. I guess to Matt's question, um, how do we, you know, how do you identify the neighborhood? Is it, you know, getting on a bike or is it this or that? You know, I always find there's there's something interesting that drew me to the neighborhood initially that was just different, right? So for example, we had that we had that building down at uh, in Port Town at Powell and Victoria, which was a repositioning building, which we bought and fixed up. But it was there was that parallel forty nine brewery yeah. that was there, and you're kind of walking around, you're going like, "What this is like?" There's something to this neighborhood, yeah. right? There's something to this neighborhood, and so it sort of had that like it was. It's obviously a brewery, but it was an amenity for the for the neighborhood. If you're talking about the cut, well, you know that was pretty clear to me that that was an excellent location because you're 150 meters from from Trout Lake. Mm -hmm. If you look at assembly, it's, I mean, it's a project of scale. It's still boutique, but it's in Strathcona. Usually in Strathcona, you're lucky if you can, you know, find a lot to do a duplex on or something like that. So finding something of scale that you could do something material in a neighborhood like Strathcona was a no brainer. Right. Our habitat project in Mount Pleasant, 400 meters from the new rapid transit station. It's right up the hill from Great Northern Way where you're going to have like Lululemon's new campus. Like there's all sorts of new campuses and office and employment being being built in there and all sorts of great little coffee shops and Savio Volpe's stumbling distance down the hill. So you kind of go, okay, that that makes a lot of sense. Our Clark Park rental project, it's right across the street from an 11 and a half acre park. So there's always like something that drew me to a neighborhood that was an amenity that I kind of, that we hook onto. So if you mm -hmm. look at any of our projects, there'll always be something that anchors that neighborhood that everybody knows about, that they're going to be like, oh yeah, that's Trout Lake or, you know, oh, that that's Strathcona or, oh, oh that's Mount Pleasant. You're, you're obviously right off of Main Street. So there's always going to be something that anchors. Uh -huh. Like we see a lot of properties and projects that come to us in East Van that don't fit the litmus test for us. And that's cool neighborhood first. So we'll never do, I'd say, a, a, a cool building in an uncool neighborhood. <laughs> we got to do name, both. names, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, there needs to be, it can't just be East Van blanket. It mm -hmm. needs to be a great neighborhood. And I, th I feel like we've kind of shaped it around East Vancouver, but other areas in Vancouver that you could see fabric developing in? I mean, there's, yeah, there's definitely other, other areas that we've, that we look at a lot that we've never been able to do a deal. We we love Lower Lonsdale. Lower Lonsdale has has a lot of analogs to East Vancouver, a, a younger demographic, um, you know, uh, a sea bus that basically gets you right downtown and in a heartbeat. It's got all the breweries. It, it has great density and great restaurants. So 
Lower Lawnsdale is definitely another neighborhood that we that we keep a close eye on. And we've pursued a lot of opportunities there, but we've just never been able to buy the land at a price that 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 justifies the level of return that we're comfortable with. You know, maybe maybe going back to East Van, how how's the, the East Vancouver real estate market this year and and have you been surprised? Yeah, the East Vancouver real estate market has been it like let's say it's had a pulse. Like you're not blowing stuff out right away. Yeah. I'm finding it there's a lot it's a lot of end user market right now. So people are looking at at the product and they're going, "Hey, I'm I, I need to I need to be very sure about the floor plan. I'm going to be moving into this space. I want to come back and see it multiple times before I take a look at it." And I guess that's also project dependent because it depends on the size of the the home that they're buying and and it also depends on and that'll obviously depend on the price of the home. So once you get into like the, call it the larger product, it it is Mm -hmm. more of an end user market. So there is a pulse there and people are doing deals, but it's taking more time to do those deals. I would say that the product that's kind of priced under 650,000 is, it's still moving really well. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing, we're seeing that, um, we're seeing that out in other markets. Like if you look at Berquitlam, like they've, they've had a lot of success with a lot of their towers and because they're, you know, the price points are, are that kind of condo product that's, that's around 600,000, maybe even a little bit under. So, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a pulse out there and people are doing deals, but I mean, you know, it's, it's reflective of the current borrowing environment too. Interest rates are higher. So, so people's payments are higher. And, and, and I think that people are being conscious of that. Um, but I think that people also have a kind of a common or popular opinion that interest rates will come down over the next couple of years. So it's allowing them to kind of get over the hurdle with doing pre-sale deals because they're going, hey, I think that I think that uh, 2025 is going to look a lot different than 2023, and I'm 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 comfortable and or more confident that interest rates are going to be lower then than they are today. So yeah, I think there's still a market there for sure. And, and what kind of um, like emerging trends are you seeing in the types of properties that we're developing in in Vancouver? Are, are you monitoring trends, or are you thinking about the future that way? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think that the the purpose-built rental market is really getting a lot more legs right now. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of there's a ton of reasons for that. I'd say first off, demographically there's a there's there's a real groundswell towards rental because homes are just becoming less and less affordable. They the land costs more, it costs more to build, uh money costs more, typically takes longer. So there there's a real true actual cost to what it costs to create a home. So a lot of people are can only really afford rental in this in this market. And and I think that's not just uh that's not just a an East Van thing or a lower mainland thing or a BC or a Canada thing. I think that's a, a global thing. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing that um we're seeing that more globally that there's a real push towards purpose built rental. But I also think that there's um from from a developer standpoint, and I should mention obviously the whole like GST with that being with that being waived, that is a really significant benefit to that goes towards the the opportunity cost of building condo versus purpose built rental. So, but I think I think that developers are also looking at purpose built rental and they're going these projects take so long. Like by the time you buy the land and tie it up at least and actually complete the project, I mean it could be anywhere from five to seven years. And so you're going, I'm, how old am I going to live? Like I can't live till I'm like 200. How many of these can I do? Yeah. And then when you, and then you sell the project, 
and you sell it here, like, you know, a couple of years before the project's completed, and then you build it. So you're basically crystallizing your revenue and then you're 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 crystallizing your costs at a later date. Developers are going, What what am I doing? Yeah. You know, I I killed the golden goose. Now I gotta hunt and do this all over again. Basically just a realtor again. <laughs> right. Trying to find the next deal. Yeah. Um, and you're going, okay, what am I what am I doing here? And, you know, do I want to try to hang on to more of these these properties? And so I think that a lot of a lot of developers are starting to like have those internal conversations and going like, you know, do we want to do more purpose-built rental? It seems like there's a real groundswell politically to do it. It seems like there's a groundswell demographically on the demand side for this type of product. We want to hang on to more of the projects that we're building so that we don't need to, you know, you're not only as good as your last deal. And yeah, so I think that I think that purpose-built rental is a real trend that we're going to start to see more and more of, not just locally, but globally. That's really interesting. I wonder, so, and I'm just literally thinking out loud here uh, in terms of ongoing demand for actual strata or or freehold real estate in a world in which most of the new supply or a significant portion is now moving to rental. I wonder what that actually, how that impacts the market. This may be something no one's thought about but me. <laughs> I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah, I think, I mean, the pendulum swings both ways, yeah. right? So I think a lot of developers are starting to reconsider their strategy, thinking about doing more purpose-built rental. Um, rental rates are obviously climbing significantly right now, which is which is another reason to focus on that product type. But you're right, as the pendulum swings in that direction, less condo gets built, these renters turn into buyers at some point in their lives. And then there's less condos and then that's going to jump and then the pendulum's going to start swinging, right. swinging the other way. And then I think that, um, you know, at a political level and a, a demographic level, then they're going to start saying we need to start building more more market condo projects. And then there's going to be more incentives for for that side of the equation. Huh. Interesting. Jordan, I'm just wondering about gaps in the market uh, and specifically in, in relation to East Van and then kind of more generally. Uh, you know, I think I heard Bob Rennie say not that long ago that W was the most expensive. He used to say W was the most expensive letter in in the alphabet because, you know, West Forth compared to East Forth, there was such a big gap in the in the price of real estate that narrowed considerably over the last decade. And then you look at prices, say, in East Van uh, around Nanaimo and, and Broadway. And you look at prices downtown and on the west side and then out in Surrey. And it's like, there's not the traditional gaps anymore in the market where it was clear that Surrey would be significantly cheaper than East Van and East Van would be significantly cheaper than downtown. What are your thoughts on 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 kind of this, the changes in the marketplace? And, and do we see that as a as continuing? Yeah, I feel like when the market was really firing in, let's say back in 2021, 2022 even for that matter. Um, there, What we started to see was this price leveling right across the board where everything seemed like it was the same price. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't matter if it was west side of Vancouver or it was Chilliwack. You're hearing about these crazy numbers and you're going, what, like Chilliwack's a, a thousand bucks a foot? Yeah. I don't know if it is, but... Yeah. but you'd Pretty hear, close, yeah. Yeah, like it, it was getting so high and Surrey was launching and getting like 1150, 1200 a foot and then, and then downtown was, you know, Sure, if you're luxury or you're getting that call it eighteen hundred or two two thousand a foot, but the resale market was a thousand a foot at around the same time. You're going like, what is going on here? You know, downtown Vancouver should cost more than 
downtown Surrey. Yeah. It just, it should. Like, <laughs> and so, and we would see the same thing where a project would launch in Surrey and then we've got these projects in East Van and the projects in Surrey are basically selling for the same price that we're selling in East Van. And we're going, this just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like right. what is going on here? And, you know, I think that on, on the one hand, whenever the market's that frothy, that just does typically happen. I've, se- I've seen it in, in past cycles and we, we saw it in this last one as well. But, you know, now that things have slowed down a bit, I'm not sure what your opinion is, but it doesn't seem like it's really regulated itself like I would have expected it to. Right. You'd think that Surrey would be way off, and but it still, it still kind of seems like it's holding its value, like Berquitlam seems like it's holding its value. Um, and, and part of me starts to think, and from the converse, some of the conversations that I have is that, is that people are really choosing the locations that they're in not because of the value. They're choosing the locations that they're in because they, they truly want to live there. And so it's really this, you know, for example, Surrey, like, you know, people might have moved there originally because there was, there was good value. But now you, now you have this kind of second generation that's living there that that's, that's where all their friends are. That's where all their family is. That's where their job is. That's where their business interests are. And, and that's home. And so that's where they want to live. And so I, I think that there's this, like, these really deep communities that are being built in these, these nodes across the lower mainland. And it isn't so much about the, the old, I think they used to say this down in Phoenix, drive till you qualify. Whereas it's people go, no, this is home. And this is, has what I want. It has, it has all the amenities. It has the restaurants. It has access to SkyTrain station. And this is what I want. Um, I'm not willing to pay $1,500 a foot for it, but you know, I'd rather live here than, than maybe downtown Vancouver or something. So I'm willing to pay a price that's, that's relatively close. I mean, that would be my assumption, but, but to your point, we are seeing this, this kind of leveling of pricing and across a pretty big geography, which makes me think as a proponent of our projects in East Vancouver, that we're really good value. Yeah. And, and I feel like we've been saying that for, or along those lines, been kind of thinking the same thing for years. Well, I remember, <laughs> I, I thought a project that a lot of people, I think, slept on was Format uh, in, its, in its early launch at, like, I think under a thousand foot or whatever yeah. for no, concrete, King, right? Kingsway, yeah. Yeah, but I, it, it's funny, like, I, I think, like, the east side has a lot of the new construction there does look like incredible value. I mean, I, you know, I think, like, all the projects that... Um, that we've kind of looked at in the last few years, it's like, it seems like a no brainer, especially when you look at, you know, the, the SkyTrain uh, stations uh, across the lower mainland. I, it's interesting that you say it's like almost a product of how frothy the market or that's what you initially thought, because that's what, you know, often when we're talking to people about like selling a property on like a busy arterial, it's like, well, it won't matter in a busy market because everything will get absorbed, but you don't want to be holding that in a soft market, like having, you know, a car going through your living room, right? Because when people have choice, but yeah, you're right. Now that people, it seems like the, there is more choice in the market for buyers and prices haven't come off that much. You know, yeah. it's, it's, very I think odd. it is going to Jordan's point about the, the kind of different nodes where people, you know, the, so you think this is like either a deep community or, or areas are getting better. Yeah. Like the person who wants to be in Brentwood doesn't want to be downtown. Like that's not, Oh man, if only I could afford downtown, I'd rather be on what about Richards. Chilliwack? 
<laughs> yeah. I, no, no, just, just nothing. Stumped. I, I, it's beautiful. Okay. Well, well, moving on to uh, moving on here uh, about the market, maybe a little bit on a broader basis. But does this moment remind you of of any other moment in the market since you've been monitoring real estate? Yeah, I, I feel like there's been a lot of lulls in the market since I've been in the business. And I guess, yeah, I'm kind of coming up on 20 years now. I, like I said, I started as a broker at Cushman and Wakefield. I remember, you know, the GFC when there was the, the big meltdown and, and, you know, there was, there was a big slowdown and nobody knew what was going to happen. I don't think that, that we're even close to there right now. In my, in my opinion, like that was, that was, people had no idea what was going to happen. They thought there was going to be a full system meltdown. And then, you know, eight months later, the market started started firing again. And then we started to see a slowdown. I guess when was the next slowdown? It was kind of in 2014, I think. And it slowed down a little bit and then it picked back up. And, you know, and then what was it, 2019? Then yeah, right it started before. to slow down and we're going, okay, I'll, uh, is this going to, what's going to happen? Is it just going to slow down? And bang, we got hit with COVID, right? We were about to launch our Habitat project. And we were scared shitless. We didn't know what to do. We're going, holy, like, are the wheels falling off here? Is everybody going to die? Am I going to (laughs) die? Should we launch this project? Like, will anybody be alive? Um, And so, and then, you know, the absolute unexpected happens where interest rates basically get floored to nothing and then the market takes off again. And so whenever you're in these like lulls, you think, oh, geez, this is going to last forever. There's going to be this big meltdown, like, we're not going to be okay, but it always seems to just get better. Something, something happens and we kind of have, as humans, we have this tendency to worry, to expect the worst out of situations. But, you know, we're, as a, as a civilization, we're, we're working towards great things together. And I, I just think that these things are, are temporary. I don't think that it's long-term. I think that we have, a lot of positive things happening in the world. You know, there are some very negative things that are happening out there that we all know about and is, 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 is really sad to, to, to think about and hear about. But, but in, in general, like, I think that the, the world is moving in the right direction and then that there's positive things are going to happen. Right. I don't think that, you know, the wheels are going to fall off here. There's, there's always a tendency to think the, the worst of these situations, but you know, I don't think it's going to last that long either. You know, interest rates are really high right now. And and frankly, now now the the feds have a lever that they could pull to to fire the economy back up again um, and get things get things really humming. So do I think it's going to happen right away? No, but I I do think that um, that we're going to come out of this looking looking pretty good in the next in the next year or so. Hey, everyone. Pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just 
feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Konkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. This moment feels a lot like November of last year to me, like very similar in the sense of uh, like trending into kind of the Q4 yeah, like of kind 2022 of where down. Yeah, it seems like it, it seems like there are it, deals are harder to put together. Tier one stuff is still moving, but tier two is tier two stuff. You kind of have the impression like if I drop this like way below market, would it sell? I'm not even sure. Like, is that even the lever that would work right now? It's it's a weird, it's a strange moment. But I, I, the one thing about it is then in January, well, February of 2023, it was like the sentiment changed like that. And it went from people feeling really worried to back craziness. And then, I mean, this year, the first half of this year was very busy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's also like these cycles tend to, and I don't know if you're noticing this from the past 20 years, but like the, the up and down cycles seem really, they move quickly right now. Like these moments where it feels like doom and gloom yeah, and then and it feels aggressive. like incredible positivity in the market and it's aggressive swings, right? Do you, totally. Do you feel that? Yeah, hundred percent. Our, our markets seem to be bipolar. It's like it, you know, you think one day that it's, that everything's, you're screwed and then the next day. Next day, everything's just like absolutely taking off again. And so, you know, if you look at Canada, the amount of people that they're piling into the country right now is just insane. And everybody needs a place to live. And we just haven't, we haven't built enough homes. So, you know, if you're looking at it just from a, from a real estate market perspective in Canada and in, in particular in our city in Vancouver, all of these people need somebody somewhere to live. They yeah. all need a roof over their head. The, the majority of them are are going to be renting when they're, when they're new immigrants, but you know, a lot of them will be buying too. And then it's going to make a lot of people that are locals that we're going to rent and go, holy smokes, I'm not paying six grand a month for a two bedroom and den, you know, let's, yeah. it's, it's time to buy. Yeah. More interest rates are higher, but, um, I'd rather be putting some of that back in my jeans than, than putting it in the landlord's pocket. So there's always that, you know, that balance. And right now I think that we're kind of imbalanced. So there's going to be a lot a lot of opportunity for us, I think. And just uh, thinking about your, you know, your position with people who are investing in your projects, being the CEO, calling the shots, we're talking about aggressive swings. Like, can you talk a little bit about mindset and how, and you just white knuckle it through? 
you have to sometimes check yourself like, okay, calm down. You know, the rate increase that happened in, you know, over the summer, you know, don't knee jerk reaction to it. Like, or can you talk a little bit about your process about how you, I guess, manage the stress, but manage those fairly large decisions you're making? Yeah, of course. I think, um, you never want to get to a point where you're just going, Oh my gosh, and panicking on, on everything. Cause in, in development, there's, there's a, there's a million things that happen that are, that could cause you to panic. And that could happen. That could happen, you know, with external forces that could happen with internal forces that could happen with, you know, your acquisition or your development or at a municipal level or your construction. There's just so many things that come up. So, so you have to learn to just to obviously not panic when you have these, these things that come into your world. I always think back to that saying, like, how do you eat an elephant? And I think Peter, was it Peter Legg that wrote that book? Like, how do you eat a frog? Um, I actually summarized that book onto like one sheet of paper and I keep it in my briefcase. And I always like, I always like refer back to that because it's look at these issues and you go, oh man, this is a, this could be a really big issue, but you just need to basically break the issue down and say, what, what is the issue? What's the reality of this issue? Like, what, what are my assumptions of the issue and what's the reality? What facts do we have? And then just start to pick the problem apart and say, you know, what does this mean? Okay, interest rates went up. Okay, well, what does that, what does that mean for our budget? Is our budget still look good? Can our contingency absorb that or not? Do, does our deal need to need more capital? Can that come from debt or does that need to come from equity? And so all of these things are things that you just want to be very pragmatic about how you go through and, and deal with them. I'd say one thing that's that's really important is that you really um, are focused on buying the land properly because if you overpay for the land, then those unexpected things that come up can really put you off off the rails. So if you bought the land appropriately, you should have some some cushion in your project to absorb a lot of these ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that that is that's that's a really important component of it too. You don't want to over leverage your deals. If you put too much debt on your projects, then you don't have that lifeline. So if your budget really does get blown, you might go back to your lender or maybe bring in a secondary lender and say, hey, we need a top up here. And you'll have that room in your deal to bring that in. If you bring all that debt into your deal day one, then you don't have that lifeline further down the road if there if there are bumps in the road. And then I think that you want to make sure that you've got some powder dry and you've got you've got good good networks on the equity side of things so that if you do need to equitize your deal to see the project along, then then you can bring that that capital to the table. So, but I'll also say that the management of your project is so important. You need to be hyper focused on every component of the project. I don't think people realize how much work developers do on their projects. They go, oh, you know, they're at a Giardino and they're you know, having a couple <laughs> of bottles of wine every lunch, and you know, maybe some developers have gotten to that point in their lives, but. The amount of work that you do on each project every day is shocking. And I didn't know, like when I was a, a real estate broker, I, I, I had assumptions about what developers did and stuff, but it's like now being in it, it is to do it properly. You are so engaged in every level of your project and you need to make sure that absolutely everything is dialed so that when you're bringing that product to the market, you're basically hitting it out of the park on, on every segment of that project. 
because you want to be putting your best foot forward out there because you've made a major investment in this project and you need to make sure that it's the right product for the market and that people are going to love it. So that when you get into a difficult time like this, that you're going to be able to hit your your pre-sale targets to mm-hmm. see your project ahead. So for example, our, our project called The Cut, we launched phase one of that project and that was that was 36 homes. And and we were able to hit our pre-sale target in in, you know, we didn't hit it in two weeks, but we hit it in a couple of months. And yeah. I think it's because we we had really nailed every element of that project. It was a tough market that we went into. And we were, I think that we were really successful um, in the market that that we're in as a result of that. Can you talk a little bit about the cut? So what what what's the offering and and just maybe remind people of where it is in East Van? Yeah, for sure. So the cut is um, so it's a it's a townhouse project. It's situated about 150 meters away from John Hendry Park and Trout Lake. It's a 55,000 square foot land assembly that we put together that fronts onto the Central Valley Greenway. I actually didn't know much about the Central Valley Greenway before I got into this project. It's pretty great. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I know, it's, it's like great, the like bike lane, like kind of a road, but not yeah. really. It's it's a big greenway. It connects you. You can ride your bike all the way to New Westminster, connects you right to downtown Vancouver, like just a super easy ride over to uh, commercial drive, or you can, you know, nice stroll down to the the Renfrew SkyTrain station. But it's just this really beautiful greenway. That's yeah. this, this essentially this bike lane, and our entire project fronts onto this thing. So we've got we have eighty six townhomes. The first phase was thirty six, which we which we've hit our pre sale requirement on. Uh, the second phase, we are basically just about to start previewing the presentation center for phase two on the twenty eighth of October. So we're just opening that up to the market now. So that's that's 50 townhomes and that's a combination of ones, twos, and three bedroom units. And it's 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 a really beautiful project. The interiors are are stunning. It's this Japandi tone on tone, really beautiful light wood design. And we have this, these Decton countertops. It's fully integrated. It's AC is standard in in every single unit, nine foot ceilings in the main living areas, oversized windows. It's yeah, it's it's awesome. So we're we're super excited about this project. Yeah, I would say it's a it's a standout for sure. And there's a lot going on in that that neighborhood. You know, that's exciting, but also you know there's there's competition. I think you guys look really strong. Yeah, there is it. There is competition in the neighborhood, and and we we see it as a real positive because this 100%. this neighborhood's like it's it's got this inertia. Yeah, and you have all this new multifamily that's being developed and. There's condo projects, there's townhouse projects, there's, you know, there's new businesses that are going into some of the the mixed use right. projects. And then even if you look just to the east of, of our site, you have this, this Renfrew Rupert node that's going to be experiencing this, this huge new wave of density coming in there because there's two SkyTrain stations there. And then you have all of this office product there too. You have like the Broadway Tech Center, et cetera, where you have a lot of employment so it's, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of really interesting stuff. I think another thing that I'll mention about this project is Van Tech School. I, you guys know Van Tech, right? Yeah. It is a huge school. Yeah. Um, but if you look at it just as as an amenity to to the cut, because it's only about a block away or even a half block, they have like a football field. They've got a 400-meter track. They've got a they've got a turf soccer field. I think they have six tennis courts, three yeah. basketball courts. Like 
Like if you're if you're a kid, like that is like a a mecca just to go like run a run a mock. Yeah, like, you should have yeah. that as part of the amenities on the uh, <laughs> on the feature sheets. Yeah. Like it's crazy. My my high school sure didn't look like that. <laughs> I I gotta say I've been walking by assembly on my way to punch Jamaican patties into my face at Rise Up. <laughs> um, but man, holy, is it looking good? It's it's incre- It's actually looking incredible. Um, if anyone hasn't seen it. Well, and also the commercial space there is so cool. I wax and poetic about the, the alley commercial at one of our listings over yeah. last weekend, like pointing it out from Strathcona Village. Like this is going to be, it's just such a cool project. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, big uh, improvement, I think, to what was there before. Yeah. Um, no offense to that, that the old, <laughs> the old office space. <laughs> Jordan, obviously, you know, East Van intimately, are there any untapped opportunities in the East Vancouver real estate market right now? And I want to broaden that. <laughs> to okay. BC, yeah, yeah. yeah let's do East Van first. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so much happening in East Van. Like the you look at, there's just so much new planning policy that mm-hmm. that's that's coming in into our city right now. It, it just feels like a like a tidal wave. So yeah, I mean, there's there's just always that next little neighborhood. And, and, and like I said before, it just, it might come down to, I, I used parallel 49 as, as an example before, because that was kind of, you know, if you only, you know, if you know, you know, kind of right. thing before they did the big renovation and all that stuff, but you'll see like a new little coffee shop that'll open up in like a little 500 square foot space. That's just like so cool. And then you're going like, oh, okay. Like what's this? Like, who's this yeah. person? Why did they think this is cool? Cause they're cool. Yeah. I can tell they're yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I do, I do think that there's new neighborhoods that are, that are kind of somewhat untapped. And, and I guess it depends when you say like untapped, like how untapped we're talking about, but like, you know, in Mount Pleasant, for example, or Habitat Project is like, that was kind of like a little bit of a no man's land in between Kingsway and Broadway. Yeah. But with everything that's happening there, it's kind of bringing this density to the neighborhood where where these smaller businesses can still get somewhat affordable space, but they're going to benefit from all of this new population that's that's moving in there. So, so I think that that is a that's a that's a great neighborhood. Commercial Street is you know it, it's not it's not new and untapped, but it's it's there's there's some really interesting things that are happening along Commercial Street for sure. I think Victoria Drive is an awesome neighborhood. I feel like there's, there's just so many cool little... Speaking of which, there's just a new little coffee shop that opened on Victorian Charles or something. There's... Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It was that... Ma, the, it's that, M-A-H. It's a milk one. Yeah, the milk bar, yeah. which... The uh, milk bar. I saw that. I'm I like, that's so cool. It's funny. I that? actually said to somebody last night at my kid's soccer, I was like, yeah, it's a milk bar. She's like, that's the grossest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a really cool spot. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Yeah, but... That's a perfect example. And so you see that and you start to, then that kind of goes, makes people start thinking, they're like, what's this neighborhood? Yeah. Like, what's this all about? Like, and oh, okay, why did they open there? Who are these people? Yeah. And you start to think, okay, and then you have these like trendsetters, these pioneers that kind of go in and they do these interesting creative concepts. And then that starts to give birth to these neighborhoods. And so I think that, I think there's, I mean, I could speak to a number of different, different areas, but yeah, I'd say that, that like East Broadway area kind of around Guelph or where Habitat is, I'd say Victoria Drive, um, some place, some areas of, of Kingsway, like there's, there's just, there's, there's always going to be more and more opportunity and, and more neighborhoods that really kind of come into their own. But, you know, eventually a neighborhood over time will become a victim of its own success. Right. Right. 
because then you start to get all the chains coming in and then you get you get a certain a certain demographic that's going and so it's just it it basically these cool streets and these cool nodes become a victim of their own success and then and then when you're trying to do something cool you're kind of start looking for greener pastures now telescoping further out um vancouver uh just in general metro metro vancouver maybe and then the province if you're if there's opportunities or places you're excited about yeah you know like i said we've we love we love lower lonsdale that's definitely a a neighborhood that we that we keep a close eye on burnaby heights along east hastings um that's also a really great neighborhood that we we would like to do something unbelievable in value in in the detached market there as well yeah like the prices of the 50 footer lots seem like really good value yeah. in contrast i mean it's funny cuz when you think about where you, when you want a big lot in vancouver it's really hard to find big lots in on the east side so you're going to the west side or you're going to burnaby really and burnaby is about you know not quite half the price but the gap is pretty big between the 50 footers on the west side versus the 50 footers on on in burnaby yeah totally so oh. it's it's a it's it's a village right it's that it's got that village it has mm-hmm. that it has that character it has that history and so it's and you've got you've got really cool young people living there and i think that that's a, that's a great market we've kind of put looked at port moody a little bit never done anything there new westminster has always been one that you always think this is the next thing. And then you, I don't know, I kind of go to New West and I look around and I'm like, ah, oh, maybe not. From, from, <laughs> from, like, from Google Earth, I look at it. I'm always like, oh, we got to do something here. And then whenever I go there, I'm like, ah, yeah, maybe not yet. So um, around BC, I, yeah, we, you know, there's markets that you kind of look at, you get a little bit interested in and, you know, you're like, oh, okay. And, you know, Kelowna is obviously a market that is, somewhat mature. And I think there's opportunity there. Um, I'd say, um, you know, another market is, is Victoria, which is, which is really cool. Lots of beautiful old buildings, lots of character, lots of history there, great restaurants and that sort of thing. I love Victoria, but it, it just, from what I understand from a political perspective, it might be a bit more challenging to, to build there. Yeah. Fantastic. That, yeah. that new West thing was, uh, yeah, that, that's the headline. <laughs> T- tickled your pink. Uh, Matt, uh, what do we got time for? One, one yeah, more? Yeah, maybe one uh, more. I, I got I to gotta ask, uh, because uh, Jordan, you're obviously forecasting out uh, for your decisions and everybody wants to know what the market's going to do in the next one, three and five years. Higher for longer, presumably. Do we kind of bob along here where we're at or, or what do you think the market does? Yeah, I don't like ever. It's funny. People have this. Oh, you know, interest rates are higher. The market's going down. It's like, well, guess what? We got like a million five people a year coming into this country, possibly more. And the cost to build these projects is what it is. And it's only becoming more costly because there's more scope that's required to build them. Mm -hmm. We're trying to build these net zero buildings now. And those are those are more expensive to build. And there's more that goes into them. So it's not going to get any cheaper to build these buildings. And with all of these people moving in, we're going to need to build more of them. So the prices can't go down. Mm -hmm. Because if they do go down, no developers are going to build. And then there's just going to be more demand with less supply. So the prices are going to go up. You kind of have these moments in time where things slow down a little bit. but, But what people don't understand is that, or a lot of people don't understand, I should say, is that if... If the project is not economically viable, it will not 
happen. The housing will not get built. Even if I was a, a good Samaritan and I yeah. wanted to build my project out and, and make zero profit, the banks would not get behind me. And the banks are the biggest component of the money that goes into actually delivering these projects. And if the banks aren't on side, then that project is not happening. So the prices can't afford to go down because of the cost that they that they incur to construct them. So mm-hmm. I personally think that interest rates are going to start to bump down next year. I think that there's going to be more people coming in. I think that there's going to be a vote of confidence and popular thought among the general population that, hey, interest rates are starting to come down. The, we're not going to 20% like my dad told me they were going to. And people are going to start getting back on the train and they're going to need to do what they need to do to afford their mortgage payments because the other option is renting and rent is also high. Mm -hmm. So I personally think that uh, next year, the market's going to start to start to fire again. And it might not be in the first quarter, but I think at some point in 2024, the market's going to really start to ramp up again because the supply and demand equation is, is way off. We have way more demand coming into into our country and into our province and into our city than, than we have supply being delivered. Fantastic. Well, we'll leave it there, but we do have this segment called the Five Wire, five lighthearted questions that we end uh, every show with. Can you stick around for that? You bet. The Five Wire is brought to you by Scalina Real Estate. Hey, that sounds familiar. Scalina Real Estate is a full service real estate company serving Vancouver, offering comprehensive tried and tested buyer and seller systems. With over a decade in the top 10% of realtors in the lower mainland and a perfect five-star Google review, Scalina Real Estate can help with all your real estate needs. We also have an extensive network of the best industry professionals and trades right across the country. There's no reason to not get in touch. Head over to scalinarealestate.com to find out more. Question number one is a book that you've read recently that you would recommend for our listeners. It can't yeah. be the cash quadrant. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it's called? I've, I've read I, that book, but yeah. I can't remember. Cash flow quadrant. Cash flow I, quadrant. I, I thought about that the other day. I wanted to buy that as like a game for, there's a game for Oh yeah, too, there is for children. Yeah. For children, yeah. But anyways. Yeah. yeah. Don't do it. You might you might end up starting a real estate progression. <laughs> 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 a book. Uh, yeah. So a book that we, uh, that our whole company is really stoked about right now is, is called Traction. And it's about the entrepreneur's operating system. And it's just a way to, to run your company as it relates to like your, you know, your, your weekly meetings, your quarterly meetings, your annual meetings, and just, just all of these tools to be able to run uh, a company efficiently and to be able to scale it. So that's a book that we read collectively in our office. And um, yeah, everybody seemed to really like it. And it's a, a system that we're in the process of rolling out. Every agent on who listens to this show just ordered that on yeah. Amazon. So. <laughs> In the last few years, Jordan, and uh, as I understand, you're a fairly disciplined guy. What new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Hmm. Didn't you do like 100 push-ups a day or something? So, what was that? Yeah, Sorry. when are we going to get to fitness <laughs> <Yeah>. here? <laughs> so I, I went about six and a half years of, of exercising every single day and I recorded it. And then I got a massive concussion about two years ago and, and had to stop working out. And so I'm actually just starting to like build my workout routine back up. So wow. it was, it was pretty crazy. Wow. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, I was listening to the Byron Chard 
um, yeah. podcast. And we were, we're going to have a flex off. How big but... is that? Yeah, and I was like, oh my God, Byron Chard would probably beat the shit out of me right now. So, <laughs> but Byron so... Chard is no joke. He, he came through the door. I thought it was like, I was like, are we filming the Netflix series, series uh, quarterback here? Or what? It's like, God. Yeah. So my, my fitness has not been, has not been great. And I'm just starting to build back into it. But I'd say, let me think about this. Let me think about a belief. Um, I think it's just knowing, becoming more accepting of who you are and really trying to be very intentional about focusing yourself in that lane and not being, uh, not feeling guilty for, for trying to focus yourself in that lane. And, and trying to make sure that uh, the, the work that you are not good at and don't like to do gets put onto somebody that, is, that does like to do that work and is good at doing it. Because mm-hmm. the work that you, that you are not good at and don't like to do, you're like, oh, if I delegate that, I'm going to feel so guilty or bad because I don't like doing it. And then oh, I don't like doing it. They don't like doing it. So, right. so oh, I feel like an asshole for doing that. But it's like getting rid of that guilt and and truly understanding that the work that you are not good at and don't like to do is a bad use of your time. And that same work is somebody, there's somebody out there that is good at that work and loves to do it. You just need to find the appropriate people for that. It's been about just like focusing your time in the like good at and love quadrant and being like, this is what I'm good at. This is what I love. This is what I get energy from. This is how I can add the most, most value to my business and my life and my family. And so you got to be unapologetic about staying in that lane. Great. Well, like we just had a conversation around that yesterday. I don't recall. No? <laughs> was, you, you were really bent out of shape uh, about organizing, organizing a wine and cheese. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually, uh, that's where I excel, <laughs> wine and cheese. Uh, okay, so... Uh, Question number three, what have you been binge watching lately or a movie recommendation? Oh man, I, I have been so busy. I have not even turned on the TV or I I haven't been binge watched anything. I, nothing. I I can't speak to one thing. I I can't remember the last time I watched TV and that's depressing because I do like to binge watch, (laughs) watch uh, a a good, uh, yeah, a good uh, show, but no, sorry, I, I there's nothing that I can I can. Point you know to. what? Well, we know. We, I think you. This one we've had you on. I think just the commercial podcast uh, with rap recommendations in the past. <laughs> yeah, favorite favorite band or music? Oh, you know what? I so I'm a I'm a I am a hip hop guy. I think you I think you know that. You just said that, and people always ask me like, who's my favorite artist? And the thing about it is, I don't I don't have a favorite artist. I have, I have songs that I like. And so the song that I like right now is a hip hop song and it's called Rich Spirit and it's by Kendrick Lamar. It's a great song. Yeah. It's a, it's an awesome song, right? And so, but you know, and Kendrick Lamar is pretty good, but like there's, there's not like a rapper where I'm like, oh, that's the best rapper. I got a poster of him in my bedroom. Like, like <laughs> you know, I, I just like, there's songs that come out that yeah. you listen to and you're just like, that's a good song. Yeah. You know? But with hip hop, they're sort of, they're few and far between. It is. You got to listen like a couple hundred songs to get one decent one, you yeah, know? But yeah. when you get a really good one, like Rich Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would just add Purple Hearts to that. Uh, oh, it's Purple on Hearts. the same, it's on the same album. But that album front to back is, is pretty incredible. I'm going to, I'm going to ch- listen to that on the, 
the you just went against monsters. everything Jordan just said about albums. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm like, I'm like you got to, the, the Spotify playlist, you got to go back to the artist now. Something that you've purchased for under $1,500 that has changed your life in the last few years. Hmm. Got it. You know what? I, I knew I was coming on the show. I knew that you guys asked these questions. I should have been thinking about this. <laughs> you know what this in, reminds in, me in of? Uh, <laughs> what's a, what is the millionaire show with Regis? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you talk through the answers. It's like, okay, this is an interesting one. Yeah. <laughs> but Who wants like, to be a millionaire? Okay, uh, sorry. Continue. Uh, well, so actually, eyeglasses. <laughs> oh, nice. man. I didn't know that I needed glasses. And I guess I got them a while ago. It's probably two years ago or something. But um, I was, I just... I couldn't see. That happened to my wife. She and put I'm on going, glasses like, and was man? like, oh my God. And I'm just going, I just, it, it never occurred to me that I couldn't see. I was yeah. squinting and like, I couldn't see things, but I never went like, hey, maybe I need glasses. Yeah. And I must've put myself through this for like three or four years. And then finally I'm like, I just, I can't, maybe some, maybe, maybe there's a chance that my 2020 vision isn't 2020 anymore. <laughs> and I went in and it was like, bing, like, it, and then you're driving and, and you can like read the signs. Yeah. And you're like, those things say something. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah, it's, I'd yeah. say eyeglasses. I'd say <laughs> rainy nights in Vancouver driving is like the worst for, for me. I can't even, uh, yeah. I'm like take notes in crosswalks. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get home. There's bikes all over the car. Anyways, the, uh, the other thing I was going to mention is cause I, the one thing that was really cool that I thought you might even bring up under $1,500, but you seem to be uh, focused on experiences as well in life. And uh, that photo of the uh, motorcycle in, was that in Hawaii? That was in Maui. Yeah, that was in So you rented Ohio. a bike? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we, uh, it was actually my wife and my 10-year anniversary. Okay. And we were like, let's go, just the two of us. And so we got this tiny little hotel above the Lahaina Grill in Maui. And we're like, let's just go for like four days. We're just going to rent a Harley and we're just going to bomb around and just like, just, just go experience things and, you know, pretend we're 20 years old again. And it was, it was just so awesome. I wore my V-Rep shirt every day. <laughs> Everyone was honking at me, waving. <laughs> that it, was, uh, it was like a local celeb. Um, but I actually did wear that shirt pretty much every day. I have two. And now I have three. I just got the maroon yeah. one. There's a maroon one in stock just so everybody knows. We're, we're doing the Jordan McDonald. Yeah. Or we'll call it Hawk's Blood. Special we'll edition. Hawk's Blood. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a beautiful color. But yeah, so we were just bombing around. But, you know, three weeks later, that hotel and that restaurant oh, right. is gone. Yeah. Super sad. God. Super sad. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. That was Lahaina. It was crazy. Just, uh, just it was, it was a real, like, uh, couldn't believe it. Somebody sent me that text like, hey, check out these fires in Maui. And I was like, oh. And then like the first image I saw was where we stayed and it was just gone. It wasn't there anymore. Crazy. But before we we let you go, Jordan, the other thing I wanted to bring up was the pumpkin patch put on by the cut because we mentioned it last week on the show. We were excited about it. Tell us how to go. That was this last weekend, right? It, it was, yeah. It was, uh, it was on Sunday. So first off, thank you so much for for promoting it on the show. I really appreciate it. We had uh, we had spent about six weeks building out this haunted pumpkin pumpkin patch. You know, we it was kind of an all hands on deck thing. Like my uncle uh, Mark Francis, been in the movie business for thirty seven years as a prop master. He came and helped out. He had he brought on this other his other friend in props that's Mr. Halloween 365, wears Halloween pumpkin shirts like every single day of the <laughs> year, drives a Volvo with a license plate that says Scalvo. 
So he, he was like, like we, my, my wife was working, like the framework team, everybody was just like working on this thing. Like the, it, like the framework team who was doing the sales and marketing for the project, they were like on it, like just our partners, the Ergus group, just everybody was, it was an all hands on deck. And we said, let's do something incredible for the community. So we wanted to do this like pumpkin patch so that, so that everybody didn't need to drive out to Chilliwack or Abbotsford and, you know, spend an entire day going all the way out there when they could basically do it right in their backyard and they could, they could bike there, they could walk there. And, and so we bought 2000 pumpkins and I got so stressed out because I'm like, oh my gosh, what if nobody yeah, comes? What am I going to do? You know what 2000 pumpkins looks like? <laughs> it was insane. And so we're going, oh no, is every, is there going to be enough people? So I really appreciate you guys promoting it. But we had 3000 people. Ran out of pumpkins. Ran out of the 2,000 pumpkins. Wow. And we also had Vancouver's biggest pumpkin on display. I think it was 1,632 pounds. How do you even find that? How do you? My Uncle Mark found it from this pumpkin grower out in Richmond. And this thing was massive. Everyone kept coming up going, well, where's the big pumpkin? We're like, well, that's it. And they go, that's it. They, everyone thought it was fake. They couldn't yeah. believe it. This thing was huge. So everybody had a chance to like guess the weight. And uh, somebody, did somebody win an iPhone 15? Yeah, somebody did win an iPhone 15. Wow. Yeah. And what, what was the weight? It was, I think, I believe the weight was 1632. Yeah, it was How do you massive. grow a 1600 pound pumpkin? Like that's, oh, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. But it was just, it felt so good to do that. And I think that's one of the things about like what we're trying to do at Fabric is is it the name Fabric. It's all about becoming, we want to become part of the fabric of the communities that we're developing in. And it's it's that kind of initiative that we that you kind of you spend all this time on. You're like, oh, is it gonna be appreciated or is it gonna be good? Or is it what are we doing? And and you do it and you're just like, that felt so damn good yeah. to do. And I think and just people were just happy, right? And I it, it's what it's one of those things where we talked about passion earlier in the podcast. It's like, that's the kind of thing that makes you wake up in the morning and be like, I'm passionate about what I'm doing. Like, that was awesome. Yeah. I want to do more of that. And then there's the benefit of going, hey, we had 3,000 people down to the site where we're building this new project called The Cut on the Central Valley Greenway. And so now when people might be looking for a home, they might be like, oh yeah, that's where the pumpkin patch was. Right. That was a great neighborhood. Like that yeah. was on a, like a, on a quiet street right by Van Tech, close to Trout Lake. And so there's, there's like, there's a huge benefit to the project as well. So it's just one of those things where it's just like a real, just a real win-win. And whenever you can find those win-wins and be super passionate about it, it's like, that's just good for everybody, you know? Totally. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that is. So maybe we'll leave it there, Jordan. But how can people find out more about Fabric Living and uh, and what you guys are doing? Specifically, I guess, the cut. Yeah, for sure. So we have a, we have a presentation center that is on Commercial Drive, 1816 right. Commercial. So previews start October 28th. We have that uh, project is listed with uh, the Framework Group, Ben Amzalig. And ben, friend of the show. Yes. yes. Shout out to Ben Amzalig. Yeah. Yeah, Ben and uh, so yeah, Ben will Ben will take good care of you. And there's there's a website which is thecuteastvan.com, and you can learn more about fabric at fabricliving.ca, and uh, you can also follow us on our Instagram at life at fabric. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for taking the time today, Jordan, and uh, thanks for coming down to the studio. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys.
So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Jordan McDonald, CEO of Fabric Living. Really enjoyed that conversation with Jordan, Matt. Great having him down in studio. And the hits just keep coming on Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Oh, man. That was, I, you know what? It's, it's funny because I feel like we both have been known to kind of wax poetic about East Fan. But Jordan kind of exceeds. He, like he, he really, really gets it. you excited about East Fan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's incredible. So, no, so great having him down in Kokomo Studios. But what else do we have before we cut for the day? Well, we have a couple of things. We got the website. Oh, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Funny you mentioned that. Uh, yeah, head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com for all things real estate related, including the live wire. This is our weekly mailer where you're going to get stats before anyone else, different types of stats, VIP access to a number of pre-sales, and of course, the deal of the month. We also have tried and true private client services. Yeah, Matt, because if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You get basically realtor level information for free. It's available at your fingertips over at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Everybody should have a free PCS account because really it's like you're getting the, you're seeing the list price. You're seeing it sell in real time. You're seeing days on market. This is the best way to gauge the market. And you can actually set it up just around the perimeter of your building or house wherever you live and see what your neighbors are selling for. It gives you a great comps to work with just ongoing when you're thinking, what's my property worth today? A hundred percent. Last but not least, Adam, I just want to say we just had Andrew Liss from the REBGV. Yeah, I believe his title. What is his title? Uh, His title is... uh, I was going to say the economist, but... No, no, no. uh, He's director of uh, economics and data analytics at REBGV. That's next week. The October stats are coming out. We got Andrew on uh, to talk stats, market, and all things for next week. Very, very interesting guy, of course, past guest fan favorite, and uh, that's going to be a good one. So this watch is, for it. This is a sneak peek at 2024. Ooh, it's really, 2024 forecast. That's yeah, right. a that's sneak right. peek. And he hasn't put this forecast out, so it's going to be on our show first. That's right. If you want to talk about that or anything else, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. And of course, we got that Kokomo line, info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We'll have a great week and we'll see you back next week with some more great conversations about real estate. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. 